Let's turn now to Psalm 119. And this morning we look at the second section, the second stanza of Psalm 119. Before I read this, a few comments to help us also in reading it. In Psalm 119, as I showed you earlier a couple of weeks ago is about loving the law of God and the poet expresses that in so many ways. There is therefore in each stanza a fair amount of repetition. Similar words are used, similar thoughts are expressed and it's part of teaching, repetition. But each stanza also has something special to it, something unique to that particular part. And in our stanza this morning, it is that question with which he starts. And you could say that the flow of this section goes by first asking that question, then in the verses 9b through 12, answering that question, And then in verse 13 through 16, working with that answer. I'll explain that in the sermon, but that is the structure that I follow. The question in verse 9, then the answer to the question 9 through 12, and then working with that answer in 13 through 16. Let's read our text. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, I take the question of verse 9 also as the theme for the sermon this morning. How can we live pure lives? And the question flows from what we learned in the verses 1 through 8. This psalm in which the poet expresses his love for the law of God, for the statutes of God, for the word of God. He also indicated that in verse 1, he says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless. And the word pure in the question in verse 9 is somewhat parallel to that word blameless in the beginning. And then we said that blameless did not mean without sin. But blameless means that what lives in you 
is in agreement with what comes out of you, that you're a person of uh, conviction and that you also understand what you believe inside of you and your mind and your heart and so on, but also that comes out in how you live. There's no place for double-mindedness or hypocrisy. It is a genuine love for the Lord. And we also saw how, how important that is because those who live in that way, they are blessed. The Father in heaven looks upon those with a smile, with, with pleasure, with delight. Now, of course, that leads to the question, how can I do this? If those whose way is blameless are blessed, how can I then keep my way pure? It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Why young men? What about women? What about older men? Well, the word young man in Israel was somewhat of a stretchable term. You could be considered young still till about 40 years of age. Some also suggest that Perhaps the author himself was a young man, so he can identify with it. That's possible. But I would like to see this expression, young man, in parallel to what we also have, for example, in the book of Proverbs, where the student is addressed as a son, my son. Often you read that in the book of Proverbs. And so here also, it speaks about a young man. Why? Because this is a person who has to learn. Remember, Psalm 119 is also a teaching psalm, an instruction, a forming psalm. And when you're young, then, then the foundation is laid for the rest of your life. And so this young man in verse 9 is a person who has to learn, has to be taught. Now, of course, that is all of us as long as you live. So in a way, we are all included in this. We have to learn how to walk in a way that is pure before God. But I will also pay special attention to the young in our midst and the instruction of the youth, since that is somewhat in the focus here of our text. So how can a young man keep his way pure? If you look at verses 9 through 12, and we want to spend a time again on the setup, because it's poetry, it's a beautiful setup here, a very balanced setup. It begins with a question. How can you keep your way pure? It's an important question. It's a question you have also as a parent. When you think about your children growing up in this world, How can my son, my daughter, keep his or her way pure? And you get the answer in the second part of verse 9. And it is followed in verse 10 by a prayer again. So interesting that within Psalm 119, statements are followed by prayers. Let me not wander from your commandments, because I seek you with my whole heart. 
The poet is aware that in order to do what the answer says, he needs to pray for the grace of God. I think this afternoon you're going to deal with prayer, the need for it, and so on, Lord, say 45. Well, you see that also here, the, the way the answer is given and then followed by prayer. And by praying, it becomes more personal. For now, the I is involved. Let me not wander. And so in verse 11, again, the second part of the answer is given as to how you can keep your way pure. And then it is indeed more in a personal way. I have stored up your word. And it is followed again by a prayer in verse 12. Teach me your statutes. There's an answer. There's a prayer. There's a second answer. There's a second prayer. And it becomes more personal as it goes on. Now, the question that is raised here, how can a young man keep his way pure, of course, includes a very important admission. And the admission is that a young man, a young person, yes, we all are inclined to go the wrong way. If we follow our nature, the way we come into this world, we go our own way. We disobey the Lord. And that's why in verse 11, also it says, I might not sin against you. In verse 10, not wander from your commandments. For that is our sinful nature. So the psalmist is well aware of that and also wants to focus on that. By nature, we are inclined to go the wrong way. Your children, as they come into this world, are not by nature going to do the right things. None of us is. Not in your midlife either, in the strength of your life. Not when you become older either. And, and especially then we may think, well, I'm older, I, I can take it a bit easier. No. We need a prayer. Because we are inclined to go our own way. And we should not underestimate that. And that adds importance to the question. How can we keep our ways pure? And the first answer is 9b. By guarding it according to your word. So here law, statutes is called word. Guarding it. What what does it mean to guard? We stand on guard. That means you give it your attention, your focus. When, when a soldier is on guard duty, then he has to watch out for intruders or for enemies. He has to be alert. So it is more than advice. Just keep God's law in mind, God's word in mind. Now guard your path according to his word. That means, brothers and sisters, that as you see your path, the way you have to go through this life, you put these laws on that path. And you make your steps on that path directed, protected, guarded by God's word, by God's law. That means that I have to let go of my own thoughts my own ideas, what I think is best. And I have to learn to 
to submit myself to a word that comes from above with authority. One of the hardest things in life that a child has to learn and that we all have to learn. That we have to submit ourselves to a word that comes with authority from above. And, and I say this because we live in a culture that says do whatever you want to do. If you think it's good, then do it. And that is the impulse also that our sinful nature loves. Do what suits me. And here it says, no, you have to guard your path. And that will require effort and dedication and, and, and putting your energy to it. Guard it according to your word. also means that you need to know that word. Then the second answer... I'm going to leave verse 10 for a moment now. The second answer as to how you can keep your way pure is in verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart. And my heart, that is the center of my life, that is where all my decisions are made, where all my judgments are made. When you determine whether something is good or not good or what you should do and how you should go about it, that is all governed by your heart. And that says, your word is stored up there. It's a beautiful expression, isn't it? Stored up. That means it has a permanent place there. It is there to stay. So that staying in my heart, that word will determine why I think something is right or why I think something is wrong. And when I make my decisions and my plans, that word will determine it. But I have to store it up. So it's more than make sure you read your Bible every day. It is have it dwell in your heart, in your mind, as a storehouse, a storeroom for God's word. It has to become part of my thinking, my deciding, and memorization. We'll come back to that in a moment. Is important to make you think the right way. So how can you keep your way pure? How can you help your child to walk in a way that is pure? By guarding your path according to the word of God and by storing up that word in your heart. That's what you want to do as a parent in your teaching. And that's what you also want to show as a parent in how you live. Because it is not a matter of just formality. And that is verse 12 in so beautiful where it says that, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Blessed are you. It's an expression of love. So that means that these things only function well when you love the Lord. To guard your path according to the word of God, to store that word up in your heart, only makes sense when you love the Lord. When you love the Lord, you keep his commandments. And by keeping his commandments, you show that you love him. And that's what verse 12 expresses. The teaching of God's statutes 
has to be underpinned by loving, worshipping the Lord who gives the law. Blessed are you. So let's take that to heart and think about this for a moment. Are we doing this? In how we live and how kind of example we give and what we teach. That it comes from an adoration for who the God who gives the law is. And that also then translates in what we do and what we teach. Guarding, storing up. So that's the first part of this stanza. We now move to the second part, the verses 13 through 16. And there, I said, you see how the poet and the teacher here also shows how it functions in his life. And of course, it's more than just a statement. It is a way to teach us. This is the way it should function in your life. Look at verse 13. With my lips, I declare all the rules or the judgments of your mouth. What you have here is that a student who has made this teaching his own, it is stored up in his heart, doesn't keep it in his heart, but it comes out. It speaks about lips that declare. So there you have verbal things. You have things that you say. And what comes from your lips All the rules of God's mouth. All the judgments of God's mouth. My mouth has to be in sync with God's mouth. So the word that is stored up, it will come out. It has to come out in what I say. When it speaks here about the rules of your mouth or the judgments of your mouth, then it points to the where God determines what is right and what is wrong. What is right? What is wrong in this life? And our, our time says, well, it is up to you. And it's confusing. When you grow up in a time of no fixed norms. But the Lord says, this is right. And this is wrong. I give you my Ten Commandments. It's very clear. This is what I determine. And now that has to come out of my mouth. What he spoke to me, what is stored up in my heart, now has to come out also in what I say, in that in my speaking, I apply the judgments of God as to what is right and what is wrong. And so I have to learn to speak about God's law and God's judgments and God's rules. The training that you give to your child is not only that a child internalizes, knows what is right, but the child also learns to express that. It has to come out. And it begins at a very simple level. This is the beauty of uh, our catechism. And the questions and the answers that are, are, are taught in the catechism. And that's why it's important that the students in catechism class also learn to say the answer. To speak it. Because that's part of forming their, their way of expressing what is right and wrong before God. 
And so as a teacher in catechism class, you ask the question, and you want the students to learn to respond, learn to talk about it. And you can do that at home, too, by asking questions. And even if they, you think they know the answer, it is good for them to express that because that becomes part of their speaking. Help your child to speak about what God has revealed, the truth of God as we confess it. That's the first thing. It has to be spoken, has to come out. And verse 14 It says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. You see, when this this word is stored up in your heart, then you become very rich. There's nothing more beautiful than the word of God. And that makes me joyful. That makes me thankful. I delight, he says, in your testimonies, as much as in all riches. So when that's stored up in your heart, then you also delight in it. Keeping the law of God is not a matter of, oh, I have to do this, a chore. It is a love for God. Now, indeed, we don't do it by nature. And therefore, you could say that the Spirit is challenging us in in verse 14 by asking us, what, what makes you happy in life? What is your delight in life? What do you look for in life? What's important to you? What is your goal? What do you teach your child to be the goal in life? To be successful? To be rich? No, it is that you delight in the word of God. As Matthew 16, verse 26 says, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? If you have everything that you want, but you forfeit your soul. The aim of life, the goal of life, it is to delight in these testimonies. They are richer than anything else in this life. And as a parent, or as a grandparent, You can also show that. As an adult, you can reflect that to a younger generation that this is what makes life so beautiful. So you learn to speak about it. You also delight in that word. It's the riches that you have. And in verse 15... I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Meditate. The word meditate is used in the Bible most often in Psalm 119. And what does it mean to meditate? The Hebrew word here also can mean to mumble. It's like when you say it to yourself. I don't know how you memorize things. I know I had to memorize things by simply saying it to myself in my room. And still now when you, when you have to recall things, you may just have to say them. Uh, I, I notice that in catechism class, when you ask the students to look up a book in the Bible, where is it? 
Then they start to say or sing even the, what they learned in, in, in school about the, the, the order of the books. But they, they make it verbal. They say it, and that's mumbling. That is that word here, meditating. So meditating is that you say something to yourself. Meditating in the Bible is not dig deep inside yourself and, and exclude the world around you and find your inner self. Meditating in the scriptures and in Psalm 119 is to bring that law of God into your own life by saying it to yourself. If I want to teach others, I have to start with teaching myself. Now, one way of doing this is by memorizing. He is meditating or he is memorizing, he's saying to himself these precepts, these commandments, and so he fixes his eyes on the way of God. Memorization helps you to be focused. Memorization gives that in your brain there are pathways that help you respond properly when the pressure is there, when the difficulties are there. How often don't we see it in a person who becomes old and cannot read maybe anymore or even when you cannot communicate with them so well anymore because their mind is not as clear anymore. When you start singing psalms or when you say, Lord's Day 1, when you speak about texts, they can still do that. That is the beauty of this. That you say it to yourself. You let your life be determined by it. And that also gives you a clear focus. And verse 16 sums it up once more. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Notice here it is not a petition. Here it is a statement. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. It's almost like in, in catechism class. You teach and you teach and why? So that the student will make that response and that's what they typically do, let's say, when they make profession of faith. They say, yes, I will not forget your word. And I do delight in your statutes. And you see it publicly here in front of a church. And that is the aim also here of this teaching in our text. To bring to that pledge. So that is how the poet expresses the way we work with this storing up of the word in our hearts. And brothers and sisters, as we, as we reflect on this, the two things I want to highlight, two things I want us to, to take with us as well. The first one is this, and then I go back to the question, how can we keep our ways pure and the answer was by giving the word or the law or the statutes of our God a permanent place in our hearts. But how is it possible? How can the law of God have a permanent place in my heart and my mind? That's the question. 
And then I think also what we read in Romans 7, Paul. He says, when I hear the law, what does it do? It makes me sin more. I wouldn't have known sin if the law had not said, and so on. When you hear the law, the Ten Commandments, how can that produce such a beautiful effect? How is it even possible to come into my life? How can the psalmist say, I love your law? Well, that is the work, brothers and sisters, of the Holy Spirit. No parent can give that to his or her child. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we read this morning from Jeremiah 31. At a very dark time of Israel's life, when you think, it's all gone, it's finished. Look what is happening there in Israel with God's people. The covenant is broken. And the Lord says, I'm going to make a new covenant. And what will he do in that new covenant? He says, I will write my law in their hearts. It is true. None of us can do this for ourselves and let this word be stored up in our hearts and, and, and delight in this law of God. God has to do that through his Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 31 promised that. I will give a new covenant. I will write my law in their hearts. Oh yes, in Psalm 119, the fullness of that promise still has to come. It came in Jesus Christ and with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit is already at work here in the Old Testament and with Psalm 119 and in this believer's life, this poet's life. Because look at verse 10. That's the one that we skipped earlier. Verse 10. That was after the question, how can you keep your way pure? And the answer is regarding it according to your word. And then comes a beautiful prayer. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. The poet there is appealing to Jeremiah 31. With my whole heart I seek you. Isn't that what Jeremiah 31 says? I will write my law in their hearts. And in verse 12, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Again, that prayer. He is appealing to those promises of God. He knows he cannot do it himself. And so he says, By your spirit, Lord, do what you have promised. And when in verse 16, he makes his pledge, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. It's not because he says, I'm so good and I'm so strong. But he knows that the Spirit has promised to do this. And if you read Jeremiah 31, and the Spirit says, I will not leave you. The Spirit is at work already here. And the psalmist appeals to that promise. Well, if he can, could, and did, how much more can we? And should we? Because we have so much more. We receive Psalm 119 through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, who kept 
his way pure, also as a child with his parents, learning obedience in the house of Joseph and Mary for your sake. And who declared the judgments of God's mouth. And who delighted in the testimonies of God. And who meditated on the precepts of his father. John writes about it in the gospel. When we read what the Lord Jesus says that the father and the son. That the son loves the father. As the father loves the son. And that love shows in the obedience to the commandment of the father. Doing what the Father had sent him to do. And what had the Father sent him to do? To take your place. And that's why the Lord in John 17 says, My word dwells in you. My word dwells in you. And abides in you. And I abide in you. You see, that is the key to singing Psalm 119. The stanzas that we'll be singing this morning too. The key to be able to sing that is that the Lord Jesus Christ has fulfilled this and by his spirit now works this in your heart. And that leads me to the second item I want to stress. It's the spirit who does it. He works in us. But brothers and sisters... The Spirit uses means, tools to do it. As we confess in the Canons of Dort in chapter 3 and 4, article 16, we are not blocks and stones. In order to change us according to the, what he said in Jeremiah 31 and according to what we read here in our text, he involves means, that is, He does his amazing and his marvelous work, but he involves you in that you have to learn, in that you have to say things, in that you have to be taught, or that you have to teach. I said the the psalm speaks about a young man because at youth the patterns of life are set as the importance of teaching and instructing at home. The patterns also to, to deny yourself and, and to save, uh, to serve the Lord from the heart because the biggest danger for our children is not what is out there in the world. Oh, I don't underestimate it, but that's not the biggest danger. Our biggest danger is what lives in our own hearts, what we bring into this world, what we as parents give to our children by nature, is sin, sinful desires. And that's what they need to be prepared for, to fight that. And that's also why the greatest strength that they have is the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit uses teachers, uses parents, uses others to train, to teach, to remind. Oh yes, as a parent, you are a sinner. And as a parent, you're also very well aware that you cannot give faith to your children. It is the Spirit who does that. But the Spirit is pleased to use what you do, though with shortcomings, to work in the hearts of his little ones. At home, in school, 
and here in church. So that through that work, He works that law, that word, in our hearts by His blessing. As a parent, you want the best for your child, don't you? Of course. Well, the best is to have the word stored up in their hearts. And the Spirit is pleased to use what you do to store it up in their hearts, to love the Lord God and His law. And therefore, you have to get to work as fathers, as mothers. And and there are many ways in which you can do this teaching them to read, to think, by helping them also in church to listen. Church is not a place for entertainment. It's a place where instruction takes place by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord uses us to use parents to help because the children may not understand everything that comes from the pulpit. That's why the Lord gives parents to children. So at home you can talk about it train them and teach them and work it out further. You help them to read, keep their Bibles open and and study God's Word. You help them in their devotions during the day and listen to what they learn in school about the ways of God. Those are all ways in which we can work with it. And not only parents, but as adults in the community of believers. We can show what it means to to love the law of God. And I think here of Lord's Day 1. No, not the one about the question about what is your only comfort. But the second question. What do you need to know to, to live and to die in the joy of that comfort? And that is to know my own sin. To know my Savior. And to love Him for my whole heart. That is what Psalm 119 is teaching us, is helping us with. Because this psalm is not a statement of, look how well I am doing it. But it is a help, a reminder how dependent we are on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this psalm, it points to him, it is fulfilled in him. But he now brings it to you too, so that you may lead your children to him. Let's sing it also with that in mind. Singing it, standing on that solid basis of the covenant, that eternal covenant God has made with us and our children. Amen.